You're listening to the Ducan Show. I've been Nick Lewis. I'm a wingsman, I'm a loner. I'm a spaceman, I'm a stoner. It's that fresh cut grass aroma. Midnight talker, spark the doja. I'm a brave man, I'm a soldier. I'm a caveman with the. With my Charger brothers, OT, Toothless, all the gang. Follow me at, at Nick One Lewis One. Check out my blog, NicoLewis.com. Toothless and Ishad. Well, no, no, but I was torn because my, I got my start in the UK hip hop scene. Mm-hmm. So um, I, that's why when we were at the Red Bull Music Academy and you played a record, and I was like, yeah. damn, that's Jess. And for me, <laughs> Jess was like really important because, as sort of like a stroppy adolescent 15 year old kid trying to find his way in the world. So like yeah, I was listening to a lot of that kind of music at the time um, when I while I was growing up, and it was really pivotal for me. It was the first sort of stuff that sort of spoke to me um, on like a on a more personal level. Like you listen to a lot of rap music from from really young, as kind of like teenage angst. Like it annoyed my parents. Like I'd blast <laughs> N.W.A. and Ice Cube and and all of these things that were quite aggressive. Whereas my brother probably like went more towards like punk, like hip hop was kind of like my punk, uh, and I listened to a lot of jest. And when I found like these British rappers uh, for a magazine called Hip Hop Connection, I grew up in a, like a really nondescript like commuter town outside of North London, and not much happens there. It's called Welling Garden City, and it was built after the Second World War as or maybe even before the second world war as this kind of idyllic kind of stepford wives sort of uh, genteel living outside of the city and uh, it was really really dull and very boring and then in my news agents i found a magazine called hip hop connection that had by labels like bad magic or you know any of like the big uk kind of uh, underground labels would have a compilation and that's how i found like uk rap records and before, kind of at that time as well, you would then have to hunt and find stuff. I think for kids now, it's super easy. You you want to be into kind of weird Norwegian drum and bass, if there is a thing, then you can go and find it online. Whereas, say, early 2000s, late 90s, if you wanted something, you had to really dig for it. Back in the days, we had to dig for it. was a lot harder. If you saw someone wearing something cool on the street, you're going to ask them where they got exactly, that from. Yeah. If you wanted to know about... Um, you found a record that you liked, you looked up the label it was on, then you went to the record store, you tried to find other stuff by that label, or you'd look through who features on the record. Oh, that guy sound good. Let so me go you know how, how YouTube has like related... Yeah. That's sort of exactly what we used to do. Yeah. So we'll, like check out the artist that's featuring with the artist. I'm like, oh, okay, this sound is pretty like dope as well. Yeah, it's just minus the algorithm. Just... Yeah, Old yeah, school, exactly. This is like real life. Manually dig it and find it for but yourself. But you had to work shit. for things. Exactly, 
yeah. and it set you apart as yeah. well like it was who can make the most effort whether you were like trying to stand out by what you wore or by what you listened to if you weren't satisfied by what was given to you you had to work for it yeah. it wasn't easy like I always used to uh, describe like stickering and like that idea of like plastering cities and stickers as like our CNN like we could decipher things by seeing stickers on lampposts and on street corners in London like uh, you'd look for certain flyers and that would kind of connect you to the dots well but that took effort you know you had to be brave like going into like I don't know, like uh, black market records in Soho, and you go downstairs to where the drum and bass and the like, what was garage section, and it was quite a hostile environment to go and ask the guy what the record is or what's buzzing, and you have to put yourself out there. Where now you can obviously um, sort of hide behind the keyboard, you know, and you can find whatever you want. So I started out by kind of doing that and then recognizing that actually there's people involved in these records so you would find people's names on the sleeve notes and it would be this was the producer or this was the A&R and I was like alright who are these people and how how do they get to do what they what they do so um, from that I then started writing the odd letter into the magazine that I found and then I started to write the record labels so there was a really cool um UK kind of hip-hop store if for want of a better word called Dark and Cold also on Diablo Street where Black Market Records was and they used to sell mixtapes and it was in that time of like LRG was popping everyone wanted an academics tracksuit any American clothes you went there but they also did these mixtapes and on one of the mixtapes was a track by a guy called Kalashnikov called mm. uh, Dago Mentality or Dago Mentality so I found out who that guy was and then I realised he was on a record label called Kemet Entertainment Records and I just started emailing them all the time, like, how can I come and do something for you? What can I do? So as like a 14, 15 year old kid, I would be going to Tottenham in North London, <clears throat> meeting these guys and then running around North London with these two dudes that ran the pirate station. And pirate stations were either in like squats or they'd have these two floor flats in these tower blocks and it would be like some girl with like four kids and she would let us record the broadcast the station oh, wow. out of her back room so, so you actually connected with Klashnikov and, and yeah so with Klashnikov I was there when we mastered uh, the sagas so with mm-hmm. A-Side who is in uh, is the band he's in um um escapes me now but A-Side is quite an instrumental figure in the UK scene mm. and so those samples from the movie Babylon we had to try and record them off the Playstation in this uh, recording what? in this production uh, studio in, on Curtain Road in, in Shoreditch so that was like a, a big record in 2004 that came up and that was quite a pioneering kind of rap record so you had Murder was on there uh, Sagas uh, Paradise was on there loads of big big records and there was another record by a guy called Skinny Man um, mm-hmm. called Council of State of Mind. That guy's, <laughs> guy's not case. Like, he's been yeah, in prison yeah. quite recently for like beating up his girlfriend and stuff. So oh my, 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 opinion, <laughs> my opinion of him has changed somewhat. But he gave like the working class experience uh, from a white guy's perspective in okay. London. And he sampled... Um, a movie called Made in Britain, which has Tim Roth in it. Is it Tim Roth who's in Pulp Fiction? And it's about a kid going through Borstal, which is like detention centre. And Klashnikov sampled a film from the same time called Babylon. So they're like late 70s, early 80s films. Or yeah, 80s films. And his was about being of Jamaican origin, 
growing up in London. So both came out at the same time, both sampled like movies from the 80s, one about the Jamaican experience, um, about sound system culture with like cops and sound and stuff. And then you had uh, Skinny Man. So all of that was going on. I was running around town with these guys. Uh, promoting parties, uh, writing sleeve notes, anything I could do, run MySpace pages, all of that stuff. And what do you think of the music industry in Dubai? I think it's quite interesting. I think I think that there's this start of something quite exciting happening, but a lot of people I speak to, they're saying this isn't the first time that this city's had like a, a bubbling scene. A wave, yeah. Because it's, cause it's transient, right? Like mm-hmm. people come and Thank go. Thank you. Yeah. So um, hopefully more people will start to stay. And I think it's kind of interesting. Like I didn't know anything about this part of the world. I'd never been here, ever. I came through work. So for my sins, um, I work in, in advertising. Um, so, uh, yeah. Is that like a shout out? Yeah. <laughs> like a So I came out here to set up a satellite office for a company I work for in London called Holler that got bought by like a global multinational advertising organisation. And again, it was just that inquisitiveness, do something different, um, always about experiences. So it was like, what have I got to lose? I can come to a new city, see something. And in the UK, like from like, you know, my circle of friends, like people really turn their nose up at this place. There's definitely that part about coming here to make money, right? But I think um, the types of people that predominantly come here, there's kind of like a holy trinity of like Essex home county holiday makers. They go to Marbella and Port Banus, they go to Vegas and they come here. It's very yeah. brash. Right. And so I feel like a lot of English people like who are maybe a bit more culturally aware, right? They're like right. kind of a bit snooty, like right. there's nothing here for you. Okay. Um, and so for me, actually, a big part of coming here was to kind of debunk that myth. There's loads of really cool stuff happening here. I think like even like just from like the Arab diaspora that I hear, it's kind of become like a, a viable place to do something, which maybe you wouldn't be able to have so much in other cities. And even kids that are... Uh, there's two guys from Bahrain, right, that are signed to OVO, Majid... Um, Cosmo, is it? Uh, no, it's, it's two, like, R&B singers that make kind of like James... Oh, Majid Jordan. Like Majid Jordan. Jordan. They're yeah. crazy, dude. Yeah, so they're now they're, they're yeah. popping. Obviously, Nasi's doing a lot of interesting stuff. And yeah. I feel that, actually, like, the, the crowd here is very receptive because there's not really that much going on here. But even Majid Jordan, they have to go to L.A. Yeah. or Canada as well and, and sort of pop off there in order to be received here somehow? I feel that there's kind of that, from not even in music and from like my understanding of kind of Arab culture in a way is that they're constantly looking for that cosign from abroad. Whether you're a fashion designer, a musician, you could be an architect, you could make the most amazing thing here, but if you went and did it in New York, people would like, you would pop off, right? I can feel that even in the time that I've been here that there's been crazy progression. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, with the audience being receptive, with the people that are kind of trying to prove a point and want to make something here happen, that it's really moving at a, a crazy, crazy rate. Like, even if, um, so we were at Red Bull Music Academy, they did that event two or three years previously. Yeah. 
and from what I've read and what I've seen on previous years and heard like this far surpassed it so there's definitely progression and everything in this town moves quick right I think it's it's kind of um, difficult isn't it to try and like play in like what is quote unquote sort of street culture or what people perceive as as street culture whether that's like fashion or skating in a place that doesn't really have much urban street culture so like you have to go to Satwa you have to go to uh, Deera you have to go to Bur Dubai for that energy and that the realness Bayo what if because there's an assumption that something real has to be street culture what if uh, there will never be street culture here and what Dubai sort of creates eventually but I don't necessarily see it as has to be like street culture it's more like about public space and exchange right like if you think about kids hanging outside skate shops and like doing whatever it is that you do in a city where you run into people and bump into people like you navigate this town by car um, things are in in bubbles and I feel like that idea of like cross-pollination that comes out of street culture um, doesn't necessarily happen so much here because there's like you know well, it's freedom it's freedom and self-expression and it's a little bit limited because of the laws and the rules here well yeah and if you're a young kid like one of the things I was talking about to someone that I ran into um, at Correct Beats where we'll go later uh, hold tight those guys yeah my Arabic pronunciation <laughs> is, I don't I don't engage with many many young people here whereas I feel in like other cities like the youth really drive stuff like youth culture instead of say street culture youth culture um, that I don't encounter 15, 16 year old kids whereas if you're in London like there'll be those cheeky kids that get into the club that get and do certain things and they really are quite progressive right in, in how they move things forward and the youth is a big part of that whereas you go you're here and predominantly everyone that I run into is like 25 plus um, and that energy and that exuberance that comes from like not knowing better like I feel like at times here but again like I don't go to the places where I don't skate so you won't see me down at Kite Beach or you know I wouldn't necessarily know where they go, but going to the mall probably isn't the most inspiring of places <laughs> for creativity, much. right? So, yeah. uh, so I think place and space has a big part to deal with it. But in saying that, and to your point about local musicians and talent, I'm not exposed to very much music because, and we'll come to this anyway, like I don't listen to the radio, I don't watch local TV, but you're not going to hear it there anyway. anyway. Right. Yep. But the the most like exposure I get to things is like curators, like, club DJs, people that are putting on nights and they're not necessarily playing like quote unquote local music. They're playing like the best music that you would hear in in well no, like underground good good music. Um, but it's world's music right it's from wherever it's just what's popping at the time. It could be you know Kuduro from Angola or it could be dubstep from South London but it's not um, made or created here, right? So you study cultures? I'm into culture. I wouldn't say I study. I, well, I did study. I studied American studies at university, so okay. I did study culture. So are you currently studying the UAE culture? I think what's kind of been great here is like loads of people told me not to come and like that here was kind of whack. So a big part of the reason for me like doing what I do on like online is to like debunk that, right? Um, and they're not naive enough to feel like that there isn't something interesting to happen, but they're certainly not exposed to it. And I think if, if you take a step back and you look at the city, the things that we're, we're known for here and stuff that happens and what you do see in the UK is actually kind of a lot of DJs and artists that are maybe towards like 
the twilights of their careers mm. coming and playing a lot of parties here so you know when someone like Omnunit comes people are like right Omnunit's playing there or like you know again like constantly refer to Danilo and the guys and what they're doing but you know people don't really see very much or they hear about things like Groove Rider uh, spending a bit of time in a UAE prison or <laughs> you know what I mean so like they're not exposed to it I don't think it's not necessarily um, complete ignorance but what we are exposed to is kind of those brash Brits abroad you know but you know part, like I said for me like a big bit of fun that I've had is to like try and show people through the outlets that I have online that actually there's some pretty interesting things happening here speaking of um, like we'll get to these outlets but before that I mean we met was it just about a year ago right yeah. and um, Chris Dozine connected us mm-hmm. and and that surprised me because, um, you know, when, when, when Chris dropped that email, like I was talking to him, I just came back from California at that time. And he's like, oh, you know, oh, you should, uh, you should meet this dude and uh, you should meet this guy. And he connected us. And I remember at that time he sent me a link to your blog. And I went through it. And from the dates and what I saw right before that was sold DXB, a couple of shots around Dubai. And then it was, I think it was back in London and other parts of the world. So you were just technically fresh off the boat and then from whatever as soon as you got here you got involved with soul dxb and you kind of you got embedded in way too quickly yeah how did that happen um there was a there was a few things like so with soul dxb um a guy that i've known for a very long time um a guy called dan greenpeace who actually you should get on here because he's um done so much for hip hop not only in the UK but in Europe like he distributed some of your favourite albums and you go to his house and he's got signed plaques on from everyone you can imagine and he was so we connected again we hadn't seen each other for a few years we did a bit of work together in the past like loosely when he managed a rapper called Sway and um, yeah we we connected but also two of my friends are quite big in like what I don't really like to call it this but like sneaker culture Mm. and so Kish and Brad got flown out so I then basically they just said Nick you should be on this panel with us so I sat in on the panel and and gave my two pence worth um, on on life the universe and everything but yeah. you're saying like okay so you wanted to show people that there's something interesting going on in these parts but it's right? not necessarily about showing other people it's more to like do something for myself right like well, okay so what did you see that's interesting in these parts so the first thing that i did i went to a photography meet at like 6 a.m on the first weekend i was here so my wife wasn't here i got off the plane next day i went to work so i'd not seen never been here before um, and then I saw that there was a photography meet at the Dow shipyards down at not Creekside, but where the new creek, what they call Creeksides. Uh, yeah, towards Deera, like there's a metro station, I think, called Creekside, which is literally in the middle of nowhere. So I got in a cab, cab driver couldn't find it. But it's where the original boats are being made and produced by these Indian craftsmen. And it's like the most beautiful thing that you'll see, like these ornate, like handmade wooden boats that then when you go to Creekside um, and you go up into Deera, you see them putting washing machines and TVs on these things and sending them to Iran. But so the first thing I did was like, like, let's get amongst it. And actually me and my wife, we spent quite a bit of time going to like, you know, Deera and Burdabai and go for, you know, like places that maybe even people that have been here for a long time wouldn't go to. 
Um, and that's the authentic places of Dubai. That yeah. Dubai, the it's not even necessarily about it being like authentic Emirati culture. I think it's the closest I would get to authentic Arabic culture. So yeah. for me, it's I, I'm shamefully actually I've not been to any other Emirates and I've not actually been to any oh, other no. bar and I've been <laughs> here a little while that's, that's the, I do as I'm in the, the, the church is entirely like, like there yeah what are you trying to say? no I mean it looks it's got the <laughs> thing like it's, like it's, it's, it's like the oldest Sharjah's so got its own romance man. Does, what are you talking about <laughs> but I you know I, I, I like that um, that dusty sort of feel to it but also it reminds me of kind of just normality in many ways, right? Like, um, you know, like when I lived in South East London, like you'd go to the pound shop, you would go and get your groceries from like the corner store and whatever, like, you know. One, one amazing experience I actually had was um, when during Ramadan, when fast broke and the sun's coming down over, well, the sun drops really quickly here. And then everyone stops and people are sharing food and they're sat on the street and everyone's very quiet and enjoying the science of themselves and with other people. It's, yeah, it's, it's like mesmerizing, you know, it's captivating. Um, and there's a, there's a humility to it and a humbleness to the people that are there. And it's got energy to it, you know, when you get on the tram up there or the metro even and it's hustle and bustle and there's a million people around and it... Um, you know, it's actually kind of strange as well because um, there's not many women in these communities, right? Or if they are, they're not about. So it's mainly like Pakistani, South Asian guys. So it also becomes quite a, a funny thing when you're with your wife and you're wandering down and it's like, you know, all these guys on a Saturday on their day off and stuff. But it's also kind of kitsch in a way, like like the gold shops and, you know, these stores that sell every pot and pan you can imagine. But it's also, you know, got a very good charm to it and I kind of like that and always gravitate to the, these places off the beaten path so you know stuff like that I did um, went and explored like art galleries went and found out about Tashkil because I wanted to see El Cid so even before I came I had probably about two months before I came and dug really deep online uh, to find out some interesting things about this part of the world and I came across like art collectives called there's one art collective called GCC that got quite a lot of publicity um, through like Days magazine and yeah, kind of chin strokey like hipstery kind of media in Europe and I've learned maybe they're not the, the best or the most authentic artists from these parts where people better place can tell me about it but they did some very funny things like stage these uh, performances of like ribbon cuttings and opening of buildings and uh -huh. that very kind of like Emirati kind of ideal <laughs> and about uh, ceremony as well which was kind of cool and I found a whole bunch of other stuff and then I came across El Cid who fortunately been able to meet since and spend a bit of time with him but he had a show at Tashkil so I went there and then I learned about like you know there's a bunch of interesting stuff going on there so did a lot of research online but then also went out and explored because um, it's quite a sanitised place at times especially if you live where I live in Marina and you know and I, and I just go Marina, uh, Marina Media City back home yeah. you know it yeah. becomes a little bit um, you're the Jumeirah boy <laughs> oh god <laughs> I, you know there's, there's so much charm to all of these different places as well um, and then very fun humorous stuff which I wasn't expecting so like rap groups like Sons of Youssef that are hilarious but they're not a, they're not a parody group but they are very funny and and you know and they're very self-aware um, of being who they are and where they're from but 
uh, wearing like traditional outfits and a pair of Yeezys, they're like stunning. <laughs> but did in you a wear way, one? Did you wear a, a Kandora? I've never worn a Kandora. No, no. You should try one. I, I think I should. To it's be super honest. airy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Nikki, you got a good irrigation That's system true. going. Um, so yeah, did lots of these sort of things and just tried to connect with as many people. I was also really fortunate, like the first weekend here, I went to a barbecue at someone's house and Mostern from Dust was there, Danilo was there, so um, I was in good company straight off the bat, you know, like, um, otherwise it would have been, been very difficult. And I found actually one thing that's kind of lacking here is like a, is a decent online culture. So whereas in like, the UK, like you have a lot of good, like, digital media like there was a time obviously when blogspot days were big and you would you know be able to find like blogging what do you mean forums yeah blogging forums like kind of how for the exchange of ideas basically (coughs) yeah and a platform and a visual culture as well to match this what do you mean by visual culture so um you know like reflecting what's happening basically yeah like art and design and you know photography from the city And I think that's been addressed at the moment by people like Tapworth 3000. Um, I was slightly disappointed, and I don't really care about saying this, that I found out that they're not actually Arab and from here. And that, right? Yeah, and that, but they're doing amazing stuff, and they're very, very cool, and their reference points are so on point. They're on and, point. Like, you know, 70s, like, um, like digging for old records and stuff like that. Um, which were really cool, and then they've created good visuals to, to go with it. Um, but yeah, that kind of identity, I feel. Perhaps I'm not following the right people on Instagram. But they've, but like <coughs> people like Soto 3000, what I think is cool about them is they've done their homework. Like These people spent time, they've done the digging, and pulled out all the proper cues and the right references. Um, and when it comes to... This, uh, the, the digital online culture in terms of blogging and all that. Um, I'm with you. It's, it's, not, it's not that big here, right? Whereas, like, in, I'm guessing in, in the UK it's similar to the States where, you know, for example, musicians and artists are more concerned about what a blog would say versus what TMZ would say, right? Because that, in ter- because that as a reviewer, that has more relevance and more, uh, it's got more magnitude to the listeners. Uh, yeah. to, to the readers um, I think of um, part of it here is that you kind of miss that kind of web culture or from what my understanding that that kind of sweet spot of like 2004-2008 of like a lot of blog culture and now that actually isn't very prevalent in cities like London like mm. no one's really bothering to Not have anymore. a blog they just mm. run their Instagram mm. that's what's getting them popping and that's how they you know it's not like about being like a superstar with like 300,000 followers but there's definitely a visual identity that goes with it so like if you go back and you look at like magazines like The, uh, the Face for instance from like 80s, 90s there's a definitive look and feel to the time and the culture and you can look back on them now and you're like wow that's amazing and it's probably just as relevant as today but here we've got publications like hype and stuff it's not it's not the same it's not it doesn't have that sort of texture and there's some very cool people here that are dressed like really really well and you know they they've got a real style and i feel also even like when you capture like you go to satwa and you see like neon signs and you know some of the very kitsch kind of like stuff like that is to me very cool but I don't feel like there's like a platform reflecting that and maybe why, why is that. style important 
Uh, it's like identity for me. Like it kind of, um, it's aesthetics, isn't it? I'm into like. Uh, okay, so what you, I think because I'm trying to like some kind of gather what you're getting at when you're trying to say something's not clicking. You're trying to say that okay, if there's a you're talking about street culture, but then actually you what you mean is like an identity, even if it's not street culture. You want some kind of you're looking for some kind of youth movement that sort of has spirit in it, that has an identity tied to it. And then if it's style, you're talking about a, a clothing or a visual aesthetic that goes with this movement. And then when you're talking about a platform, you're talking about uh, uh, a platform for information about this movement to be disappeared yeah, and shared so, and stuff, right? So if you look at uh, youth cultures or subcultures from like the last 30, 40, 50 years, they've always had that platform that goes alongside it. So music's obviously incredibly important. Design and fashion are, are huge parts of that. And also media. So like even with Andy Warhol and like Interview Magazine, these are, are things that are, are important because it helps breed, define, shape, trend and, and cultural identity. So if you think about punk, like big thing with punk magazines well they created zines no one was talking about it so look at things like glue it was people that wanted to get their message out there and, and help spread things and i think you know that's something that that's that's important and also documentation's important i feel like you know i talked about there going back in time and looking at face magazines from like late 80s like they are like moments and what will capture like the things that we're interested in now from this city yeah, yeah exactly. like when we look back on like dubai and i had a very interesting experience when i went back to the uk at christmas a family friend of mine uh she actually lived here in like 1976 Ooh, wow she was like fresh and and that is fresh. <laughs> <laughs> she she was here like late 70s and um she had an incredible experience she had some unbelievable she stories I, yeah, I can't remember why she came here, but she was here. Digging oil, yeah. And when we went for dinner, she brought a lot of photos with her. And it was it was incredible. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so I think... You got you know, emotional for a second. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Ron. You want so, a drink? Or? Well, I think Where's I should have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Um, <laughs> So when people look back here, I feel like this city is going to change immensely in the next 20, 30 years. True. And, you know, it's progressing quite fast, though. Yeah. So I, think I think less than 20, 30 years, man. But which aspect is progressing fast? I mean, we can see the, the whole world. World Expo 2020 and the whole thing, but is the cultural movement moving fast? That's the problem. Well, look, think about it, right? So they've, 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 uh, they've rearranged the cabinet. Uh, the mentality and the, the public, pu yo, because I, yo, <laughs> That's this, so cool, I, I was gonna, I was no, gonna, I'm not trying to laugh, but like, <laughs> no, but like, um, keep in mind it, it, a lot of this stuff has to do with public policy, right? So, for example, I use this example with some um, if you don't have good trade relations, you can't import certain tools and equipment and even aspects of culture, movies, music, even like uh, an Akai MPC, if you aren't allowed to import that. You don't have a vital tool that allows somebody to create hip-hop music. You understand what I'm trying to say? Mm. So that goes into public policy. Like so, um, when they when they when they bring when they bring movies in here, there's a there's a certain aspect of trade relations that allows that to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a percentage of imports of foreign culture that you're allowed to. In certain countries, in France, I believe there's like a number like 60% is foreign imports and 40% has to be 
local movies. Well, you say, yeah, they did that uh, with radio in France. Yeah, and that was yeah. a big driver behind exactly. like French hip hop and stuff. A certain quota had to be in local language. Amazing. So like before San Super Crew and MC Solo and stuff like that, they they really championed that a percentage had to be from there. And I think that that same sort of thing could potentially work here. Um, who who would govern and dictate the types of things that would get played? Well, that's the thing. That's because thing. maybe maybe cultural or, or music or art for us is different from what is actually exactly. uh, the, the UAE thing. So exactly. The, the, but I think I think there seems to be like a definite shift in in as a, I speak from a very outsider's perspective, but of identity and. Um, for young people in this part of the world, I feel that they're being expressive in ways that um, are they're able to be because a lot of things are subverted here, right? So maybe they're, they're a little bit more creative in kind of how they stay within the confines of tradition yeah. but still express themselves. So, you know, when you have these bloggers, these fashion local Emirati or, you know, from the GCC fashion bloggers that have actually had massive impacts on how girls dress, but are still very conservative, generally speaking. That is also like a progression, right? And True. a step. And what then comes with that is also uh, in curiosity, inquisitiveness, how can I stand out but but still play within these, these parameters? And I think parameters actually give you... Um, a good opportunity to be creative because it's a challenge, right? Yeah, growth. You're trying to send the pack without a doubt. So, and here, you know, there's there's a lot of that. <laughs> so, if you have to be creative and, and box clever, I think you know, different challenges face different cities all the time. And you know, uh, place and space I come back to quite a lot, but uh, in say London right now, that's a that's a huge issue. Um, so the idea of rents and stuff right? rents but also like there's not like nightlife is dying because there's a lack of club culture now because major venues are all being shut uh, whether that's because of Crossrail or because of property development so you know that community idea of bringing people together and here obviously like you kind of have to have your parties in a hotel uh, you couldn't really get an abandoned shop in Satwa and throw a party in it whereas maybe in in Shoreditch 20 years ago like that was kind of done you know um, and people uh, are a bit more resourceful so it's a challenge so if you s still think like rave culture and stuff like that coming out of um, these sort of like squat parties or illegal raves um, here maybe those borders and parameters and that you have to work and get expressed and changed in different ways so I feel like it's quite exciting as well to see how people adapt to this you know yeah, I mean, um, if anything, it'll they'll try to keep the parameters in place, but sort of work a way for people to allow themselves to express themselves because yeah, or they break out the parameters slowly. I don't think they break out. They might. But okay, so coming from an outer perspective, um, and seeing the, the you know the, all the the cultural shifts and so on, where do you see the dots and how can we connect them? Um, just from a cultural I, I just feel like there's like a proper like community spirit like you know you had uh, Mo City on the other week and you know that kind of energy is infectious mm -hmm. and I feel like there's a lot of people trying to pull in the same direction and from that something positive is bound to happen right like um, I hope hopefully it's sustainable I feel like the the younger Arab community that I've met here like people from Jordan people from Lebanon like Iraq Iraq, yeah, yeah. 
But people are putting roots down here, right? <laughs> like, so, you know, if you're going to be here, like, probably for, like, f- at least 15, 20 years, like, there's a, there's a definite community that can be fostered through that. So I think it's pretty exciting. There's loads of interesting stuff going on. And then from, like, uh, on, like, a world cultural perspective, like, Arabic art has probably never been as as big as it is now. Like, in terms of, like, Sotheby's and Christie's and, and high, high-end art, like, right. Arabic art's, like... Arabic right. art it's goes so long, no, yeah. but it's it's, it has major history. Oh, of course, yeah. But it, no it's not exposed that. to the rest of the world. But yeah. Arab art goes way. No, I back. Dis- I disagree with that. It's what are you pretty exposed. About? I mean, for example, my um, my aunt is. Uh, I mean, she's been an artist for over 25, 30 years. A lot of her work is actually in the United Nations headquarters in New York, yes. and she had galleries wow. around the world. Wow. Right? No, and, and you're talking about in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, uh, so, yes. so it's it's been there. It's it going goes, around. It's, it yes. goes all the way back, doesn't it? Like, yeah, you, you can trace all the things back to this place that we're in. Right? Maybe not this city, but when you talk about like melting pots, like London's probably. I think when we had the Olympics in London, it was the first city to have someone living in that city already as a resident or a language spoken in that city that was represented in the games. So it's as culturally diverse as, as here, if not more so, of potentially. Um, but yeah, it's like a big melting pot. And then people's influences and interests like then get shaped by that. So maybe, you know, like if you're a kid here, like you're going to get exposed to different things that might not even actually be Arabic. But you grew up here and you might be, you know, 25, 30, whatever, and all your mates are from India and your reference points are Bollywood. My fear is that stuff gets lost then. Because um, if you think about it, so, because I I look at things like you know when they entered Vietnam, right? Uh, one of the first things they did is they employed propaganda tactics. They started playing uh, Beach Boys uh, movies in the <laughs> yeah. cinema yeah. to get the locals uh, in love with American culture. You see what I'm trying to say? Uh, and that's like winning. That's a hearts and minds war that they that they talk about. You know what I mean? It's part of tactics. Now I'm not saying that this this is what's happening. I'm just saying that there's concepts like cultural oh. diplomacy where they they. They they create a, t- a, a taste in you for what they have to sell, and that's what uh, South Korea did. Yep. Sai, you know, Gangnam Style. He's mm-hmm. a result of government funding yeah. to promote uh, Korean culture in yeah. all the third world countries. They said we're not going to compete with America and the West. We're going to hit all the third world countries. I've seen co- Korean soap operas dubbed in Sinhalese in Sri Lanka. You know wow. what I'm trying to say? They get you liking. What they have, yeah. and then it's Samsung, well, they, and then they, it's this, and all the they washing have machines and all the stuff. But, but yeah, well, they, they that whole idea of investment in your own culture was like they are obviously probably the best example of that in the last sort of fifty years, yeah. and that potentially might happen here with like D three and design and stuff like that. Um, and it comes back to that point about like radio and say in France where certain quotes are, um, but investment in in grassroots culture is like super important. Think what's kind of interesting, like as a 
flip to my experience in London where like cities get gentrified by the arts and then the brands move in whether it's a cool Nike store or Starbucks here it's actually the other way right like to create those energies the brands need to invest in in the culture it's where like but the the likeness of brands being brave enough to do that and invest in in grassroots culture here is is it's going to be a little well, bit only, the thing is they're trapped in their brand guidelines right so yeah, it's like okay yeah, i'll invest in such and such thing as long as it fits my brand guidelines that's not going to create you, culture. you can you can always shape and i mean frame the a brand guideline it becomes it, what's easy for brands right it becomes easy what's easy for brands how can i tick a box Red Bull, where Red we Bull. where we met at RBMA, like you know, they've been investing in music culture for like 10, 15 years now, and they're very credible and authentic in in how they talk about it because they've got that heritage. And they embrace it completely, like they embrace the Arabic style, they embrace the experimental style. Because if it's experimental, you can bring in anything. So yeah, they you know, there's definitely like all of these sort of things. I think uh, you know, and I, I think actually you know, like like you touched on with like twenty twenty, I think. Here they're definitely aware of that, and uh, that outside perception is also a big, big challenge for 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 here. So you know they're going to shape and try and change that. So it's you know it's exciting times, and I definitely, from my own personal experience, have have gained a lot out of being here, and it shattered a lot of myths and debunked a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that idea of travel and exposure, for me as well, de debunked a lot of like Arab myths. Um, you kind of all get grouped together <laughs> by Western media and the idiosyncrasies between personalities, whether you're Lebanese or Egyptian or Iraqi or, you know, like it, it, there's there's definite like, not necessarily like segmentation, but I mean like everyone has their own kind of heritage and identity and the way they interact with one another. Uh, but here's, here's what I wanted to ask. Um, I mean, this kind of maybe goes for everyone, not necessarily just Nick, but when you know how we're, we're just addressing these the the culture the youth culture the the music the arts etc but looking at it from the local minority being the emirati culture their involvement i mean uh, they have representations i.e you got people like um dubai cultures people like tashkid um who are playing uh, a major role but then I feel like maybe to some degree, maybe I could be wrong, but to some degree, we're kind of overlooking that that eleven percent, which is the the, the Emiratis, the the locals themselves, their culture, and actually exporting that or actually addressing that and bringing it up and making that progressive. But they're importing the the they're importing the. No, arts but for example, when you're you're talking things like yola, when you're talking things like uh, shela, shabia dances, when you're talking things about their food, when you're talking about their arts, that's theirs. These are things that have been passed down through generations. No, that's some the, the sea, nothing. The sea But how is that? I mean, you know, so integrated into the progressive. Uh, exactly. Someone, someone can flip that, right? So you've yeah. got like brands like Anthology that are starting, and these are amazing things that someone can flip and like put a spin on and and, and have a nod to. I think Tashkil is interesting. Like Tashkil as a space is incredible. Like you could go there, screen print stuff. On your T-shirts, you've got a photography studio there, you've got art studio, and you've got one of the sickest skate spots. Yeah, and it's like a 
but really no one really is going to utilize that or know about it and the story that i heard about how that came about was because a shaker wanted to go to art college but they couldn't let her go to europe to go to art college so they converted this old girls school into an art college for her and three of her friends so you've got like this ton art space (laughs) That's that's like completely open to be used and the guys there are you know very very open to new ideas and things and that could be like a nucleus of something really exciting and a lot of people in other cities around the world like are hankering for for that kind of uh, space or environment to be creative and produce things Um, and I feel like you know like with LC as an example like people will get behind and rally behind someone that's like of the culture although in fact he is French really primarily that's what I'm saying it's important the culture because at one point okay it's like you're saying if we say that the culture over here is one particular thing that we have to go that by excludes that? a huge percentage of it's, the people that live it's here. not about it but here, it's not about excluding the large percentage I'm saying the issue is I feel like that percent of is already excluded is being excluded is being neglected yeah. exactly like Look, how, how do you, you might be right bringing yeah. that you might board? you might be right um, and that's that's very easy to address that's just okay bring it out um, but what I'm suggesting is that it's like he said where's that meeting point where because in, when he talks about street culture he's talking about pedestrian yeah. movement feet you know yeah, like exactly. traffic get together everybody talk that is not happening so there's a there is a natural segregation that's already put true, into place true. where everybody's we, kind we, of in their separate things right so first everybody has to mingle and nobody has to say that this is what it should be true. it should be everything and everybody should be accepted once you start seeing acceptance of everybody and everybody's part of the collective identity true. you can start creating pieces of culture once you have identified that Very identity well you know what I'm trying to say i mean i grew up with locals like yeah uh, so did i yeah locals exactly too. When, when, you know, when we talk about art or when we talk, when I used to rap back in the days, they used to make fun of me. Mm. Like, oh, you, you know, what do you, what do you think you are? Like, what are you, American or whatever? Tupac? What are you doing, brother? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you doing to, to, to put into, like, whatever art? But you, you'll be surprised there's a huge battle rap scene, huh? Like, amongst, uh, in, in the other Emirates and stuff. Massive. Yo, like, mad dissing and stuff. Rap. No, 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 but... <laughs> no, no, no. Just walked away. Like, like, I don't even want to talk about this. There's, like, all kinds of diss tracks and stuff, and they have their little thing. And That's it's, like a world thing as well, you know? It's a world thing. But what, uh, so, what I'm saying is, like, I think we're past the point where we've been world influenced. It's, it's, we have everything. Like we've got the clothes, in, up to date with the music. Like for the most part, we got the soundcloud. We have the access. What's missing is this whole thing of putting it all together and making it us. Because nobody's gonna tell our story like we tell our story. You know what I'm trying for to sure. say? For sure. And I think and that was the point of narcissism. That, but remember? that's one of the things that I find really difficult um, as like an outsider. Sometimes I revel in being an outsider and looking in and not really being a part of it and quite, quite like that because I don't feel that there's any, any pressure to do anything. But it kind of has to come from within, right? Yeah. Like whether, like whether you're Indian or Sri Lankan or wherever you're from, like if you've been here, like this make it your own you are Whereas, part of the culture and, and appropriation is such a bad thing as well I think at times you know like there's there's a lot of appropriations of culture all over the world and it's uh, disingenuous so what is gonna happen nature of culture is to spread I like that word disingenuous <laughs> world youth culture is like it's super homogenous you know like I went to Japan very recently and 
you know, there's some, some amazing things there that aren't like anywhere else in the world. But for them, you go to most cities around the world and there is a like a cool scene and the kids there and the young people that are behind it look exactly the same as the kids in London or they look exactly the same as the kids in Brooklyn. Do you think Brooklyn. that's okay? I find it a little bit like... like what, what's going on? You know no, I, mean? I just feel like, like right, you gravitate to that identity and that's how you look and what you're about. But... Like it just feels a bit Twist flat. Twist it to yours, like make it yours. You gotta make it yours. Yes. Yeah, and I feel that's one of the problems, maybe um, at times here, and yes. you've got outside influence. True. That you know this idea of either being a foreigner and appropriating local influence, or not necessarily putting your own unique spin on something. True. Uh, and you know that idea of like rap battles or gang battles over yeah, Tupac yeah. and Biggie in the Middle East is is pretty pretty yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, but that's something that's um, like you do, know, do them boo boo. But the kid, <laughs> Yo, but check it out. You know the irony. The irony is that battle rap is part of Arabic poetry as well. It is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 There's there's a real thing about that. You mean? Yeah. yeah, Historically, boats have been battling, and so it's not. Who's to say who appropriated what now? Because you know what I mean. Who's the older culture? You're gonna try to say it's weird, right? (laughs) Yeah. But the, the, in the UK as well, I think like now, like there's a real kind of people have have started to forge their own like British identity and I feel that that's starting to get appropriated across the world like you know if you have people like Drake shouting out like Tracksuit Mafia and stuff like British street culture now is being appropriated across the globe in a very cool and interesting way but also at the same time like when uh, grime like popped off everyone was wearing like four quarter panel new eras academics tracksuits Air Force Ones and actually, really, what is British youth culture is Lacoste tracksuits and Reebok classics. Yeah. And now, like, <laughs> that, and a pint of beer. And well, <laughs> always a pint of beer. There but has maybe. To be a buzz there. But then Canada has always had relations with the UK. Oh, massively. And we and I was talking to someone about this recently about how Cardinal Official was like popping for a little bit in Hell the UK. Yeah. Like he uh, was on Westwood's radio show pretty regularly, and there was a lot of connections. I think he even did a record with Sway, and yeah, because they also were outsiders, right? Looking in on American like rap, so they were treated like separately from from like the American hip hop culture, and also British artists were also not accepted in that same way. So uh, they they definitely sort of gravitated to one another, but few and far between. So the stuff with Drake and Skepta at the moment is is not too dissimilar from like Cardi and those guys doing doing things with UK DJs and things in the past. So, so it's true, Drake uh, joined Skepta. Uh, I don't know about all of that nonsense on Instagram, but they definitely like roll together and they're like fairly tight. Um, and you know Drake to like to be fair to him was like giving good nods to like some fairly like deep references to like British underground rap culture like posting like imagery from like old Lord of the Mike battles and stuff and he you know you've got to give him respect for that as well because he's I don't feel like it's shallow you know there was times when US artists and UK artists might come together and do something but it'd be facilita- facilitated by a label through like a remix or it's more just so, business type of thing yeah and it's all like oh I'm going to London so I want a bit of street cred and I don't mm. want to get my chain snatched so let me go and hang out with that <laughs> man like that kind of thing as well was also was the thing but uh, I think both Drake and Skepta come from very authentic places so 
that there's a definite synergy there and also like I feel like the music now that British rap artists or grime artists or whatever you want to call them is stronger than it's ever been and much more authentic to some extent and um, it's different and it's exciting and it also goes back to like other cultural movements that happen in London I feel like the shift globally or like the viewpoint is not on New York anymore like it was like 15 years ago yeah. it's like London's where it's popping like I know New Yorkers that are hankering to get to London really? that's yeah. kind of where the vibe is at like uh, I haven't been to New York in like five years but um, it felt a little bit flat last time I was there and you know you've got skate uh, bands like, rent prices in New York have skyrocketed well, it's the same the same thing that's happening in London but I feel like there's a real energy in London right now um, I think Europe in general was always buzzing it's like Berlin yeah Germany always you know, had London um, yeah no yeah. <laughs> is, like, to, I don't know to my knowledge the UK no Berlin the, is popping the UK sure. kind of the UK music scene stays in the UK I mean to be honest I mean Canada the US it doesn't really reach I disagree if you look at like dubstep that like took over the world like for two years drum and bass you go like oh. you see like Skibbity and Det going and playing like big raves in Germany and Poland and going all over the world like I've been to drum and bass raves in Miami like and there's people there that know the music it's only and people who know the music no, but that's, that's, that's the point though isn't it it's still travelled there and it's got there and it's the same if you look at like Massive Attack or any of that sort of stuff right. like like that that has had a massive impact yeah. and even like Hudson Mohawk and people like that now yeah. like they're getting production credits on Kanye West records so Hudson Mohawk really? yeah Hudson Mohawk was involved in my beautiful he was involved in Jesus and he's definitely got a credit on on uh, the life of Pablo wow um, yeah but like you know like British dance music has had the biggest impact on like on club culture than any other form of music and definitely in the last few years has cemented itself as, as massively important you know like especially you know house and stuff obviously comes from the states but the British made it their own so they, did, they ran with it house yeah. wasn't accepted in the US when it first came it was very much a gay a gay even black, techno a, the whole shebang a, it right? was a gay black culture like predominantly in like San Francisco in, no Chicago no, Chicago house actually from Chicago, Chicago. Yep. Frankie Knuckles like Frankie Chicago. Knuckles Larry Levan in yep. New York yep. like it was a very much a, an American thing that um, moved moved across and so. even the reason reggae blew up worldwide is because of the because UK. of because of the Brit- because yeah. of well, the UK yeah, yeah. Isle, Island Records right yeah. so if you think about Island Records that Richard Branson started I believe yeah. um, uh, I think he started that I'm probably wrong actually but yeah that was very much that was very much like um, uh, had a big impact on that but yeah. uh, and the, there's other funny scenes like my dad was a big Northern Soul guy. And he was like a mod, like he would have been like 15, 16 in like 66. And they in Manchester and in Lancashire in cities like Wigan, and there was a very famous club in Wigan called Twisted Wheel. They used to dance and play all night parties uh, to old uh, soul records and a lot of B-sides and things that weren't actually that popular in America. Wow. So you had soul artists that were huge in a tiny part of the UK in the north oh. of England. Yo, uh, Jimi Hendrix. 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 Uh, he started on yeah. the record. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix yeah. got famous in, in, uh, in England. He, oh, yeah. yes. And then uh, took it back to the States. He puts on all the artists from... Yeah, the he's world. like the world's DJ, man. Like, yeah. and, uh, even the Roots, right? They blew up when, yep. when they went to France. When they went to... Yeah, he was... Exactly. They were signed to talking. 
they were saying so loud. Uh, so, I mean, this is this is all amazing stuff. So since we're still on that high note, I think uh, we gotta drop that history mix you got going for us. What do you have? Just give us uh, a little so, quick um, taste. What do you got? Name, so, uh, we named the mix. Oh, I just actually called it um, like after your podcast, but I could probably give it a name. I have to think about that. <laughs> Old Navy mix. Um, Old Navy. So I, uh, there's a couple of records on there. Like the first, so I tried to just give it a bit of a lineage for grime and where grime is now because that's probably the most popular i was toying with the idea of doing like a personal musical heritage and i thought it was a bit twee and not really that cool so um i it starts with a, a soul to soul records because i'm a huge fan of soul to soul and they had a very important part to play in british dance music culture but also in in london's party culture as well soul to soul raves were like they were, were called the funky dread like that was the look right yeah, yeah. so you know they, they they definitely um had like a whole thing going on like that whole sort of dread afrocentric like thing like was a was a yeah. but i don't Yo, really know and the too funny much thing about, is like d'angelo the and them and badu and all were influenced by omar like well omar is like right? one of the don r&b soul so singers of all time like british soul was before yeah. american yeah. resurgence well, of soul yeah neo soul that's the most yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, if you haven't read it you really need to read quest love's book uh, Chris Love's book is is incredible. Amazing. Right? I got two copies. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Two times. In case uh, y'all want to borrow one. But I need it back in mint condition. <laughs> so I start with Soul to Soul and then I go into a record by SL2 crew called On a Ragga Tip. And oh, that was. Why do Why do Yeah. Oh, no. That, that was one of the. That was, that was the first kind of like dance rave ragga jamaican influenced song that i heard and i was very young because that came out well it came out in 92 i think or maybe around that time but then it got a re-release in 97 and i heard that then on like uh, my brother's older than me so i used to get his like sort of rave tapes and stuff that he was buying although he wasn't old enough to go to a lot of these raves and then i go from there like through to like some you know bit of goldie on there uh, Alex Reese with Pulp Fiction um, and then a kind of a cool and interesting record by DJ Zinc which is uh, 174 track not 148 track which is kind of like a it's like a jungle record but it's actually like sort of two-steppy and garagey and uh, then I go through some early garage records and then go into very much like the the, the grime vocal stuff so there's some Skepta records on there there's yeah. uh, Intensive Snare with Skepta and Plastician which is like a big vocal dubstep record uh, and then you know there's uh, Stopped At by Dizzy on there and I've tried to do it chronologically all the way up to like Novelist now nice. and although everyone talks Ooh. about Stormzy right now Novelist is also probably um, yeah. as important although maybe not as big as Stormzy is but I probably prefer his music so yeah try to give like a bit of a history nice and it was one. probably also my personal um, cl- rave clubbing experience like, I used to go to a lot of hip hop nights but actually really what was my thing when you look back on eras I always used to think about I oh, wouldn't it have been amazing to be at the early acid house raves in the 80s or wouldn't it have been brilliant to be an original mod or northern soul boy in like the late 60s or to be there for punk at CBGB's in New York, but actually I was there yeah, during dubstep and grime era and going to heavy, plastic yeah. people and all of these spots. And so, yeah, it's a very sweet spot of like partying. And uh, yeah, it's kind of fun and there's a lot of good records on there. So yeah, there's, there's a bunch of stuff. So, nice one, I like that. All right, too. 
I let me drop from my Nike's MCs get capped Don't let me get serious I want weeks in my half-grown But I got that Don't let me get serious I let me drop from my Nike's MCs get capped Don't let me get serious I want weeks in my half-grown But I got that And it goes Kicking the door My friend the best can do And someone that says Full boys are you sure Pick up the mic Now skull get more Cause I'm way too much What you're bargain for Come on in the face I want the girls want more Trap on the mic I want the girls want more Right on the mic I want the girls want more Most of the pond on my channel I'm a cook Street life crew, run follow me Or not life was back in the 80s Nobody but the life of the luxury Big man chance me pull off TV Walk a man, yes man I give a damn Mexican, Chinese or Jamaican When made up on the bad man redam Everybody them a look then listen What you know about them Maxwell done? What you know about them Maxwell done for the version? What you know about them Maxwell done? All the people who want to sing this song Serious! I let me drop with my Nike Cause MCs get capped Don't let me get serious I want me sing my half girl But I got that Don't let me get serious I let me drop with my Nike Cause MCs get capped Don't let me get serious I want me sing my half girl But I got that And I go Serious! I let me drop with my Nike Cause MCs get capped Don't let me get serious I want me sing my half girl But I got that Don't let me get serious I let me drop with my Nike Cause MCs get capped Don't let me get serious Riga digga ding ding dong Max Ranger at the Liverpool Dan When me come from out of East London When I'm a girl in a South London But I never know where Max will come from So the fun of it, the men know me can't done Walk a walk a man for out of late And I wanna drop on the toes on the one Ring, ding, riga digga ding ding dong Max Ranger at the Liverpool Dan When me come from out of East London When I'm a girl in a South London But I never know where Max will come from So the fun of it, the men know me can't done Walk a walk a man for out of late And I wanna drop on the toes on the one
can continue the conversation with the guys at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud at Dukan Show. Subscribe to the show on your iTunes and Stitcher to stay up to date. And if you like what you hear, give it a rating. Dukan is hosted by OT, Irshad, and Toothless. You can also reach them on their personal social media profiles at OT Official and at Irshad underscore INI. And you can also reach Toothless at soundcloud.com slash firas Ibrahim. Salam. What?
Yo, they call me gibberish, the living in the set Because I spit twisted like they say the cap fits Backflips on a track, verbal gymnastics You lack which to catch this Don't flow through veins like a smack fix Analysis to re-elect this, meaning that You won't survive in worldwide rap habitats Enough with that, step around a hundred miles back Grab a map, draw a circle from a radius to impact Hack your mental, mainframe your central Your body spasm in a vein, attempt to defend you I end you, probably waste the instrumentals Each time a surprise, cause my style Exponential the venue, name it I spit the gasoline, spark my sports and flame it But it's the cool I came with The mind emancipated rhyme, ate it But jibba jabbering, there ain't no time to explain it I just relate it I'm, 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 I be hearing people claiming they be rushing Acting like they be speaking from the mothership I'm pretty certain some of them be on some opposition They're less than sure that's why they feel to speak of ownership It's open bracket PM to close captions Broke back 198 they chose Popeye Give it get scored, check left inception Fast forward 200 no straight recession Like put the whites down, put the lights out, chill Or put the mic down and get sliced out the film It's a history we're dealing with Document three part series catch a scene from the top and went bang. Thought over flip the switch, still darkness. I suggest, yeah, he's seen a flicker through the carpet. Flow below, see the guy tied to a chair. Mind semi lucid, this was going through y'all. Let the sound erase you. Collect you in thoughts like rain do. Invasion and phase that from my face in the darkest west. Facing stress, though the echoes are rest in my chest. Leave your prophecy, bleeding poverty, plot and greed. Palestinians are dying. Science, politics, and greed forever occupy the lines where the stars open for signs of freedom. Televised regime survival of digital ciphers. MCs deleted the screen so much a human life is. Select your option. Sweep this mind to infiltrate. Creep behind us with instrumentals, digging spiritual sight trips. As you begin to feel my nights just drift away into emotion It's a burning off the sight split It's like I'm blowing off the right chick Colliding spirits applying pressure upon my mind stiff Eyes wide open and I'm scoping for the right trip But this life is a tangible dream so I'm choking on night shifts